0: Welcome to KathleenWhitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I was in the medical center um, this week, and for this new doctor, I was supposed to have uh, all these new MRIs and CAT scans and x-rays and everything you can imagine. I mean, I was in the medical center from like 10.30 in the morning and then I came home a little bit in the afternoon, not long. And then Lacey and I were there again until about 10, at night. And so it was just, but we wanted to get it all done. And, but I kept thinking, you know, God, I've been through so many things. I've been through so much, you know, it just seems like I am, What you know, what am I doing? What are you doing? I could be used so much better if you would just, you know, release me, let me go ahead and, and do these other things I want to do and, and not have so much pain, not have to start over, not have all of these things that have happened to me and have another back surgery, you know, let me let me just serve you. And, and then before he could even answer, I just went on to, you know what pleases you, you know? Is it um, the missionary out on the mission field? Is it the businessman who gives a, a lot of his income to... Um, help people is it the mother who's raising the young child is it what pleases you because you know all of us all the time want to want to please God if you love God you want to please God and all that you're doing and and I always want to do greater things for God not things that that I'm going to get a lot of attention for but just things that can help more and more people and the Holy Spirit was so specific to me that he said that what pleases me and the way you can never fail in this life and the way that you can assure yourself that you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, is if you do not let your love grow cold. And that's what the Bible says, is that in the end times, in the times before Jesus is to return, that mankind will let their love grow cold, that that's what will happen. And so um, it is important for us to realize that if we let our love grow cold, it doesn't matter any of the other things that we do. And that's really what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, is is it doesn't matter if what you do or who you are or what talent you have. If, if your love grows cold, then even God says that he will give you and can give you a place with the unbelievers. And that, that is something that um, scares me in a good way because I think that we've lost our fear of God as a society. We've lost our um, reverence for God and our fear of God, and we have this sort of once saved, always saved attitude, and I'm not going to get into that or argue with anybody about that, but I don't see that in Scripture. I see a God who says, You love me and you stay after me. Those who love me obey me. Those who love me seek me. They find me. And not one time at camp when I was 10, I said, Jesus, come to my heart. And then ever since then, I've lived my own life in a hellish way, and I have a lot of pride, and I don't need God. And But I'm going to heaven because when I was 10, I said, Jesus, come to my heart. That is not scriptural. And I say that because I think that I'm going to be held accountable as a teacher. I'm going to be held accountable as someone speaking about the Bible if I give cushy, cushy, lovey sermons, and, um, or whatever you want to call them, and, and I don't speak truth. The only thing that matters in this life is love. That's it. That's all that matters. And every day, and in every way, what the enemy wants to steal from you, what he wants to take from you, what he wants to suck out of you is love. He wants you to come to a place where you're hardened, where your heart is more and more hardened. As the time of Christ draws near to his return, the hearts of men will grow cold. That's what Matthew wrote. And we're seeing that. You know, people, even, even Christians, whose hearts are just hardened and cold and, and they don't have a true love and affection um, for other people. And we know that's what God cares about is people. Not as much the stained glass windows, although they're beautiful. Not as much the programs, although they can be wonderful. Not as much um, who sits in what pew or what family did what. Who cares? What he cares about is people. The people around you, are you loving them? And, and I'm out in medical center And he's saying to me, Kathleen, your only responsibility out here as you do all these MRIs and cat scans and x-rays and you're uncomfortable and they're shooting iodine up your arms and all the things they're doing, your only responsibility is to love. That's it. You do that, you've accomplished my will. If Jesus came back, he would say, well done. It's not your responsibility is to call in angels down from heaven and, and um, be healed and, and then start a ministry, although I'd love to do that. I'd love to start a healing ministry. But your responsibility is not to create a wonderful destiny for you or have the most amazing children or um, be perfect in how you give to the church. Your responsibility is to love, and 1 Corinthians 13 says that. Think about this as, as I say this. Think about this. I've been looking at 1 Corinthians 13 over the last couple of days and they're in plastic because I keep them on the side of the swimming pool and I'll read like one line and then I'll swim and I'll think about it, you know, and I never used to swim. I hated swimming, but I have to swim now because I can't walk. And so I really think Satan's kind of mad about that now because I used to walk and talk on the phone. Well, you can't swim and talk on the phone. You can only swim and sort of meditate on things and... So when I first started swimming, I used to meditate on all the things that were worrying me. And so I would do the worry prayers. You know how you say you're praying, but you're really worrying? You're like, God, I'm really worried about this and that. And it's like God is a girlfriend, you know, with a cup of coffee going, oh, my gosh, I am too. You know, and that's really not, you know, that's not God at all. And the Lord started saying, you know, meditate on my word. And and, and as I've done that, I mean, oh, my gosh, just. That's why I'm talking on this today. That's why, even though I have completely prepared lessons, matter of fact, I could give lessons until Christ came home. I mean, I really do have that much prepared and in me, and and I'm excited about the Word, and I'd like to finish our series, but the Holy Spirit won't let me because he said what's important is this. If you speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love," you're a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If you have the gift of prophecy and you can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and you have the faith that can move mountains but you have not love, you are nothing. If you give all you have to the poor and you surrender your body to the flames but you have not love, you gain nothing. And this is what we've all forgotten, me included. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice with evil, but it rejoices with good, with the truth. It protects always, always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Do you understand what this is saying? The only thing that matters is love, nothing else. It all matters. The word goes on to say that we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect will disappear. When I was a child, I, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a woman, I put behind me childish things. For now we know in part, but we will be fully known. And, and, and you know, God says so specifically, there's only three things that are going to remain. After everything, after all the buildings and all the people and all the important people and, and, and just all the generations, and you know, you walk through the the ruins of Rome. You walk through um, Pompeii. You you go on all these tours, and if Jesus doesn't come back, maybe somebody will walk through San Antonio and say, "Oh, this is where they used to have those little archaic river parades," and
1: whatever, you
0: know. And and God is saying, you know, the, the pharaohs never imagined that the pyramids wouldn't last. You know, look at those huge things. That man is accomplished. And, and the people that were so important in their day, we have no idea who they even were. The only thing that's going to last, three things, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And what God keeps telling me in my heart is, Kathleen, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. You are released from every other responsibility except for to love. Because, see, if you love, you really will fulfill all the other things that God has told you to do. If you love God, you'll want to obey God. If you love the way God says to love, then you're loving with a kind heart, with an unselfish heart. And, and I looked at those scriptures thinking, you know, we as a society today almost worship the opposite idolize we even use the word idol who's the next american idol you know and we forget that god says we shouldn't even have idols oh but it doesn't mean idol it just means idol (laughs) it doesn't really matter god knows what it means really does he really really are we just not afraid of him anymore see we've lost that reverent fear of god and he says that love is patient love is kind It does not boast. It does not envy. It is not proud. And I look at reality shows and I look at the people that are being held up as as wonderful and and, um, beautiful and getting all the attention in this world and they are anything but those characteristics. They're the opposite. And then I was really convicted in my own life because of situations going on in my life. It's so tempting to um not be hopeful and to think that's okay, you know? Just to not be hopeful and think that's okay until you realize that love says that it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and it never fails. And so if I stay in love, you stay in love, I stay in God, you stay in God, God is love, then we won't fail. We can't fail, not because we're perfect or we've attained to a certain level, but because we are with God who cannot fail. Always trust. Always persevere. My mom gave me the scripture, Romans 15, let's see, I'll write it. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and that is what happens is as we trust God, as we know that he's faithful, as we know that he has a plan that's beyond what we could dream up and imagine. I started this um, little talk with you all telling you the ideas that I gave to God, you know. And yes, I'd love for him to take a few of those ideas. And I, I would love to not have another surgery. I would love to not go through what I'm told I'll be going through. But the whole point is through. And I believe that God meant it when he said that we could have joy and peace on this earth. But it is through trusting him. And we will go through. We will go through the wilderness. We will go through the desert. We will go through. But we can't let Satan, the world, our own flesh, steal love, the real kind of love from us, the God kind of love, the First Corinthians 13 kind of love. I was looking at Romans 8.35, um, and it says, well, actually 8.37, it says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that's what I want to be. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why? Because it goes on to say that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, one of the things that has disturbed me more than probably anything else is having to be on, I'm so honest with you all, and, you know, such a small crowd, I can just kind of lay it all out there. As if I didn't do that if there was a big crowd, you know. I always withheld and was very proper. Um, just kidding. <laughs> um, it just disturbs me to have to take such strong narcotics. It disturbs me. It disturbs me to have moments in the afternoon where my words are slurring and my thoughts are jumbled and the pain is still there, mind you, but it's almost like all the narcotics do is make you not care as much that you're in pain, And but you're still in pain. <laughs> and I've got these two little kids that are growing up and mommy can't drive you there and mommy can't take you there and and um, this has been going on for a long, long time, let's say maybe a decade or more. And, and I'm looking at God and going, I feel separated from you. You know, when I'm, when I'm having to take these things and, and when all of this stuff is going on in my life, I feel separated from you. And so it was so good to read these scriptures in Romans where he says, no, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus and nothing can separate you from the love of God. The scriptures say nothing can separate you from God's love. Romans eight thirty eight says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, nor any powers, heights nor depths, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And you need to know that. Nothing can separate you from God's love except for your own choice to be separated. And I feel like the slippery slope in that is that we have those choices minute by minute every day. We know love is not easily angered, but am I easily angered? See, I can justify being angered at certain things, and and yet that's not love. You know, a lot of times, this probably happens to a lot of people who teach or speak, but there just seems to be massive chaos all the time before I come in here to teach. And something is going crazy, you know, something. And it's just easy to um, get irritated or get nervous or be fearful or whatever it might be. But then you're out of love. You're out of God's love. And if you're out of God's love, you're, you're out of the place where He can do miracles in your life. You're out of the place where you can have peace and joy. You're, 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 by your own choice, going out from under God's protection. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always endures. Always perseveres. And it never fails. And so, I need to stay in love. You need to stay in love. And, and how do we do that? First of all, I think it's so important for us to know what God's definition of love is, and that is in 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 13. That is so important. That has reminded me. It has really spurred me on and, and really convicted me because we make things okay um, because we forget what love is, you know? And subtly we think, well, I'm really not as bad as, like, that person on TV or my friend or whatever, so I'm really okay. We're supposed to be imitators of Christ. We're supposed to be more and more and more like Him. And then we can have that life. You know, no one can take anything away from you when you have a hand open to God and you're trusting God and you realize... He sees everything. He's the God of the universe. He knows everything. Every, someday we're all going to answer to him. He's our avenger. He makes things right. It was very disturbing to me to find out things that were done incorrectly medically to me until I realized, you know, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4, that um, I talked about several weeks ago, It says so clearly that nothing in all creation is hidden from the eyes of God, but everything is laid bare to him whom we must all give account. And I'm not here, you know, trying to give you a real sober talk or whatever, but I'm just saying be reverently fearful of God. What he means, he says. And it's not all about just warm fuzzies all the time. Sometimes you have to just hold on to love and endure, and know that you can make it through, and that you're promised that you can be more than a conqueror. In every situation, it doesn't say, but except for in these certain situations, it says in every situation that we can be, and that means that everything can turn out for good, like Romans eight twenty eight says to those who what love God. Not those who know God, not those who've heard of God, not those who can quote God, not those who wear special robes, not those who give a certain amount of money, those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And that will be your challenge your entire life, is don't let your love grow cold, because that is what Satan wants to steal. If he can do that, you won't represent Jesus. If he can do that, then you will be useless to the kingdom of heaven. If you don't have love, you really are a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. And we can feel it even sometimes. When when we hear someone speak and there's no love in it and there's no passion in it and there's no... And it just seems calculated and we feel like oh, it's a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. They don't really mean what they say or it just bothers us or whatever. Or if somebody does have amazing gifts but they don't have love, it, it doesn't count for anything. That's what, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is saying. And God is saying to me and to you over and over again, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through... Just don't lose your love and don't forget what love is. Love is patient. You're going to look strange in the world when you're really patient. I mean, just think just being patient. People are amazed, you know, when you're patient. I i mean, one time I went in and my my uh, cleaning wasn't ready and something got messed up and... um. Then I went in again and it wasn't ready and the lady was like, "I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Do you want me to get the manager? I don't know what happened, but it's still not ready and I know it's supposed to be it's supposed to be ready 2 days ago and I'm so sorry." And I said, "Don't worry about it. I'll I'll come back." She was like, "Really? Don't worry about it, really?" And I thought, "Oh my gosh, are we really at that point in a society where some people in the world don't even have food? They don't even have a safe place to lay their head." And we're furious that our cleaning's not back on time? That is not love. Love is patient. And why is love patient? Because love is God and God cares about people. See, that's what I keep being reminded of. He doesn't care about your accomplishments. He doesn't care about so much about even our financial investments. I believe with all of my heart that He's going to take care of me and take care of you if we take care of his people and a long time ago he said Kathleen if you take care of my sheep I'll take care of you and I don't do that great of a job taking care of myself you know but I mean like when I'm my own god I'm kind of tough you know no one is tougher on you than you unless you're the other direction and then you're too lenient on you and you're just a lazy slob and that's bad too I, I go the other direction where I'm just like a, a taskmaster and everything has to be perfect and I have to be perfect. And finally I was like, God, you're so good because I don't have to be perfect. I just have to, with all my heart, love you and love other people. The reason that we are to love is because people matter to God. When Jesus was going to heaven, he had already been crucified. He'd been resurrected and he was going back to heaven. He pulls Peter aside. Peter, the rock in which the church will be built. He pulls Peter aside and he says to Peter, Do you love me? And Peter says, Oh, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, What? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Well, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? The third time, you know, by this time, Peter's going, God, you know I love you, you know I do. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. First of all, I think that probably Jesus did that three times to reinforce in Peter, who denied him three times. See, Peter, I'm showing you your own heart. You do love me. Don't condemn yourself. You love me. You know, sometimes God will just show you your own heart. I love it when he does that. You know, when he does that is when... I read the Word of God, like say you're sitting in here and your heart's going, yes, 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 boom, boom, boom. He's showing your own heart. When Satan has made you feel guilty all week and you're not good enough and you don't do enough and, and you should be this and you should be that and you should be a better parent and grandparent and husband and wife and, and friend and this and that, and God just shows you your own heart, which is, you know what, you're doing the best you can. Usually most of us are. My husband is so simple in his little quotes that he says, but they mean so much to me. And me being that perfectionist personality, you know, and not wanting to make a mistake, wanting to please God. And I would look back and I'd be like, you know, I wish I did this different or that different. I I wish that I had um, done this or that with Maddie, who's crawling around on the floor in the back of the room, by the way. And God would speak through Lacey, and Lacey would say, you know, back then when she was two or three or whatever, were you doing the best you could? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I was doing the best I could. I was doing all I knew to do, but it wasn't wasn't enough. It wasn't right. I know now better. I know better. Were you doing the best you could, though? Yeah. Okay, how do you do better than the best you can? And I realized then that I was going to be constantly mad at myself and constantly frustrated. You can only walk in all the light that you have at the time. And I think that Jesus was saying to Peter, you know what? I'm showing you your heart. You love me. But I'm also showing you three times, take care of my young people. Those are the lambs. Feed and take care of the sheep. Those are adults. What I care about, Peter, is if you love me, you will love people. If you love me, you will love people. That, that's really how I want you to show my love. Your love for me, sorry, is by loving people. And you know, I feel like we forget that. We lose that. We even use people to do things for God. And we use people to get things a lot of times, even as Christians. Instead of using things to get people, <laughs> using things to help people using things to bring people into the kingdom. And and I believe that when we just start with the simplest of things in our days, when we just say, God, you know, I have this huge, gigantic problem, or I was greatly wronged in this situation, or I don't know what to do about this, my mind is always on it, I'm going to leave it with you because I know you love me, and you're going to restore it, and you're going to make it better than if I never messed up like that. And you forgive yourself, and you forgive the other people, because lots of times we can forgive the other people, but we just can't forgive ourselves. And we just say, God, I forgive the other people. I forgive myself because Jesus died for me. And, and today, I'm just going to love. I'm going to love the lady at the cleaners. I'm going to love the man at the grocery store. I'm going to have patience. When I mess up, I'm going to forgive myself. But more and more and more, I want to be more like 1 Corinthians 13. Patient and kind. Not envious. I want to be alerted if, if I say to someone, wow, you know, wish I had that house, you know. One of our, one of our rooms in our house has been sheetrocked. It's just she—it's our main room. It's our den. It's our family room. It's the TV room. And it's sheetrocked. It's been just sheetrocked for like two and a half, three years. It drives me crazy. I mean, it used to drive me crazy. And then it, had our, it has our little L-shaped large white couch that I bought at a garage sale for like, I don't know, $50. Um, I mean, it's a big, big couch, but, I mean, we've had it for like 16, 17 years, and it's white. It used to be white. It's not, it's not, it's purple, it's brown, it's, it's awful. It's really bad. And then I had this sisal rug, except for I don't have it anymore, because I came home one day, and it was gone, and I said, Lacey, where's the rug? And he goes, oh, I gave, I gave it away. This and so I have this room with no rug, a garage sale couch, and it's sheet rocked. And the reason it's that way is because we've had so many medical expenses, and we've had so much going on, and we've, I've had so much pain, and it's hard to do something extra when the, the woman of the house is on ice 50% of the day, trying to ice down a swollen back that was not done right. And so it's easy then to go, God, you know, what, what are you making of this? What are you doing with this? And, and, and yet, it's now one of my favorite rooms because it's like the life room, you know? It's like our life. We're always going to have that room where, that's not ready. It's, it's just sheetrocked in it. Not, we're not proud of it. We're not all that excited about it. We wish it was done. We wish it was restored. And we're not going to be really happy until it is. And then when it is, we're going to move on to something else. And then we're not going to be really happy till that's fixed. I'll be really happy when this son or daughter or mine changes. I'll be really happy when I'm married. I'll be really happy when my husband changes that I'm married to. I'll be really happy when I have the right house. I'll be really happy when um, someone helps me clean my house. I'll be really happy when I make this much money and I can retire. Really Because God says that joy comes from somewhere else and that our trust should be in Him, not our trust in us. I mean, God truly will take care of you if you take care of His. That's what He cares about. And that is love. It's just caring about people. People make mistakes. People will let you down. You get to know me really well, I'll let you down. I promise. (laughs) I won't want to, but I will because I'm just a person, but God will never, never let you down. It'll look like it. It'll look like it, but He won't. See, that's faith. It's when it looks like God could be letting you down. And all the circumstances are going to hell in a handbag. And it does not look good. It does not feel good. It's been too long. And you still say, I trust you, God. That's faith. I had a... Group of people come over several years ago and pray over me because I had some things going on, as if I don't now. But the lady prayed over me and then she stepped back. She was from a different church and she said, "Okay, now how does your back feel?" And I said, "Um, it, it, uh." And she said, "No, no, no. I'm asking you, how does it feel?" And I said, "Well, it, it, I believe God's going to work on it and He is working on it, but it hurts." And she turned to the man that she came with and she said. She doesn't have any faith. And I thought, gosh, if I had been someone who didn't know my Lord, I would have turned away from Christianity and said, I can't do it. Because you're telling someone who's completely fused to a metal rod and who's had multiple surgeries and who has things sticking in her back and, and six screws the size of my index finger and two more rods and I'm in the wrong position and... I could go on and on and you're saying if you don't get healed right away you don't have faith. Well, I thought about that the other day. I I had to forgive her. Then I had to forgive me because it really condemned me that, gosh, I guess I don't have enough faith. you know. And then I thought about that the other day and I thought, you know what? If my back didn't hurt, I wouldn't need faith. And so it's actually the opposite. If someone is laying there and or standing there or sitting there, and they're telling you about the difficult circumstances in their family, and they're telling you that they're lonely, and they're telling you that that they want things to be different, and they're telling you that they want the right person to come into their life, and they're telling you that they have been waiting on God for so long, and they're telling you that, that they are just trusting God, but things are hard, they are really hard. That's not someone without faith, that's someone with faith. See when you have the answer you don't need faith. You need faith when you don't have the answer, when you're not seeing progress, when nothing is there to encourage you. God and love and and truth is there to encourage you. We go back then to what does it matter in my life, it matters that I love people. There's a little saying Robert Browning said that I love. It says, Take away love and our earth is a tomb. Teresa of said, Our Lord does not care so much for the importance of our works as for the love with which they are done. Everything I do, I do in love. And then I trust God to bring that right person in my life. And then I, I trust God to restore what was lost. I trust God That he's going to make something beautiful out of something that's a mess. And I've seen him do it over and over and over and over again in my life. And that's why I read the Bible. And that's why I get encouraged. It's because I can read about all these people in the Bible who trusted God. And for a while it looked really bad. I mean, how did it look to the disciples when the Messiah was murdered? They put everything into believing Him. This is God. You know, this is God's Son. This is the Messiah. This is our Savior. They're out in front of people. They totally put their heart in His hands and, and they give their life over to Him. They leave their professions. They weren't preachers. They were fishermen, most of them. That means they weren't like the super educated, super slick talking guys with black suits and the right haircut. They were like, in overalls, just, you know, they weren't overalls, but anyway, tunics. But they, they gave everything, and then he's dead. And they are so down. I mean, it looks bad. When God dies, things are bad. You know what I mean? Like if someone told you, you know what, God is dead, which sometimes we look around our world, and it looks like it, And that's why we need to have the Word living in us and coming out in us so that we can say to each other the Word of God and encourage one another and so people can see Jesus in us and leave and have hope instead of just conferring with one another and deciding God is dead. He's not dead. He's alive. He's never changed. He's still working. I see miracles and hear about miracles all the time. I expect miracles. I expect the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I love what David said. I would have fainted if I had not expected the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you expect God's goodness? See, with love, when you are loving His sheep, when you are loving God, when you are putting your problems and your situations and all of that. See, love is not self-serving. That's not something that we are told very often. But it's not. It's, it's like those opposites that God has, you know? You take care of, of God's people and you love them. You love the people that God has put around you and he'll take care of you. And, and we don't do that so often. We try to take care of us and our stuff. And then we, real, we think, you know, once that's all settled, then I will love. But that's not the way it works. We have to be happy with that room in our house that's not sheetrocked. We have to be willing to invite people into that room to sit on that dirty couch and to pray. We can't say, don't come over, the room's not ready, you know, and that's what a lot of us do in our Christian faith. I'm not at a place where I can really help you. Let me call someone to pray with you. No, you pray with them. You're forgiven. You're loved. You have Jesus in you. You have a Bible you can take with you. Today what I'm saying is don't forget about love. First Corinthians 13, get it in your heart. Get it in your heart and know it. Don't forget to feed God's sheep. Take care of His lambs. And trust God to take care of you. Psalm 37 says, If we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. It doesn't say, Beg God for the desires of your heart, and then you will delight in Him. And that's what we'd like to do. God, give it to me, and then I will be just so, I will praise you. No, you delight yourself in God, and then He gives you the desires of your heart. Today, what I just want to leave with you is a scripture that my mom gave me, and I'll just repeat it again. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have hope this morning, you don't have love. Don't lose your hope. Don't let anyone steal away your kindness. Don't lose your patience. If you lose it, get it back again. Don't lose it permanently. (laughs) Be slow to anger. Be quick to forgive. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. And just love and realize that's your responsibility today. Not to do some big thing and not to be some big thing and not to give some big thing. Even if you do all those things and you don't have love, you are nothing. You gain nothing. Everything we do, we are to do in love. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love you and we need you. Father, we just um, praise you this morning. We delight ourselves in you. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and penetrating even to dividing joint and marrow and soul and spirit, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, and that nothing in all creation is hidden from God, but everything is laid bare to him whom we must all give account. Lord, let our reverence and fear of you please you. Let us desire not only to be separate of the world, but to be more and more like you, reflecting you, giving out love and hope to our own generation. Lord, thank you that as we take care of of others and as we walk with you, you take care of us. Lord, forgive us for trying to take care of ourselves. Forgive us for complaining and murmuring and talking about the things that we don't have instead of talking about the things that we do. Forgive us for barely recognizing the miracles that you have done and focusing on those things that have not been done. And let us be willing, Lord, today to go out and love the world, even though we may have many rooms in our hearts that are sheetrocked and unfinished and need your work, need your remodeling. Let us be willing to say, that's me. I am I'm, I'm a Christian and, and I go forth in love. Let us be more like love and let us have love in our hearts forever because love never fails. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message.